everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. everybody and welcome to a new episode of my K-drama podcast. Today I do have a K-drama that I'm going to be chatting with you guys about and I think it's the perfect one for um, my current situation which is the weather's pretty chilly, it's raining a lot, it's pretty cozy in the house. My cat is hanging around actually she's being quite annoying and meowing even though I have actually already fed her so I don't know what's going on. But as you can see all that lends to a certain aesthetic and the aesthetic is basically the k-drama i'll go to you when the weather is nice which is the drama that i'm talking about obviously which is why i mentioned it obviously (laughs) all right so this show um so it's known by lots of different english translations um i kind of know it as i'll go to you when the weather is nice but it's also known as when the weather is fine uh also if the weather is good i'll find you and in Hangul, let me try it out. Um, which took me a little while to translate, but basically it means the same thing as the title does, obviously. <laughs> so this K-drama came out in 2020. It is a 16-episode romance, uh, but as well as a romance, I want to say it's slice of life. There is a little bit of a melodrama feel, and I don't mean at all by over-the-top melodrama like dramatics. I mean like understated deep trauma in everyone's uh, histories in this show, Um, but it's also very much so a healing romance. So it is beautiful to look at and very slow burn and it's all about the small moments in life and it's about people recovering from heartache and trauma basically like really intense trauma but this show I don't know I feel like you have to slow down to watch this show I feel like If you go into it expecting something zippy, you might, you know, kind of, you just might not gel with you. And I think if you go towards it in the right mood, then this is a really cool drama. And I had such a good time. Like it was such a good experience watching it. Um, But I do think it's very interesting. So why I watch this show, basically there's a story to it, of course. (laughs) Is it an interesting story? I don't know. (laughs) So back in uh, 2020, when this drama was sort of first announced, like the casting was announced, the kind of story it was, the kind of vibes it was. And I was 
crazy excited. Like I think I was just so looking forward to it and anticipating it. I loved the casting. I love both of the actor and actress in this one who I'll, you know, I'll talk about the casting in a second. Um, but I loved the idea of a romantic melodrama as well. Um, one of my favorite dramas of all time, which I've mentioned on this podcast so many times, is called Just Between Lovers or Between Lovers. I can never remember. It's called one of those two things. And that drama is beautiful. And it was my first experience watching a melodrama um, romance, uh, which is, you know, kind of a healing thing where two people who are broken in different ways fall in love and, you know, heal their trauma at the same time. And Just Between Lovers for me is just the most romantic show ever. Um, and I just rewatched it when the casting news for this show, I'll go to you when the weather is nice, was announced. And, you know, reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, maybe it's going to be like just between lovers. It's probably going to be exactly the same. And it's going to like fill this hole that I have in my heart after finishing that other drama for the second time and being desperate to rewatch it again or watch something exactly the same. So I'm pretty sure that maybe any listeners <laughs> hearing this story can maybe guess what happens next. And I I feel like if you go into a drama just wanting it to be a very particular thing or wanting it to be exactly the same as one of your most beloved dramas of all time, you're going to fail. It's going to fail. Everything's not going to go as well as you want. So I started watching this one. Um, I'll go to you when the weather is nice when it first aired. So that was kind of like, you know, in early 2020 and it wasn't that very, very, very specific thing that I had hoped it would be. And therefore, I remember um, I dropped it pretty quickly. I think I must have watched, oh, maybe I watched like five episodes, but it just wasn't what I was hoping for. And I didn't connect particularly. I remember at the end of year roundup for 2020, I did a podcast to kind of talk about, you know, everything I'd watched that year. And I remember complaining about this drama and saying that I didn't connect to the main character, Hairwan, played by the lovely actress Park Min Young. And saying I didn't connect to this character and she, you know, she was such a sad sack, like she was such a whinger. And like hearing myself say that now, I'm just like, wow, I was such a whinger. <laughs> um, and as anyone who has been listening to this podcast for a little while knows, I'm a bit of a hypocrite and I change my mind all the time. <laughs> And I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, I suppose. Um, so basically, I wrote this drama off and I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, it just didn't get to me. The romance didn't get to me. Like, it just was very slow and it just didn't work. I didn't connect emotionally with the characters. Um, really weirdly, I remember my main complaint was that I was like, oh, Hairwan is so hard to connect to. Like, I don't know why she's so sour or like, you know, angry or whatever, disconnected from the world. And they should have brought her backstory in earlier because I remember thinking, oh, it just took so long to find out why she was so upset that by then I already didn't like her. They they freaking tell you what her backstory is. I reckon in the second episode, like it's so quick. So I feel like I just didn't give the show a chance when it first came out because clearly my criticism of it wasn't even a real thing. <laughs> so it just didn't work with me. I was obviously in the wrong mood. Um, so over the next year or whatever, I would hear from listeners of the show um, and lovely Patreon supporters who would kind of consistently every now and then this show would come up as something that was worth my time. Like it's worth watching, but it's slow. It's slow burn. It's slice of life. It's so slow. You got to be in the right mood and you got to slow yourself down to watch it. 
So this year, as I record this in 2021, um, quite a few months earlier than I'm recording this now, uh, I watched The Very Great, which I've, again, I've harped on about this one a lot, but the, the wonderful So Kung Joon drama from 2019 called Watcher, which is, you know, it's a mad thriller. It's in your face. It's so fast paced. And I finished that and then I went on a holiday. And when I was on holiday for quite a few days, um, I stayed in a hotel that had free Wi-Fi and I figured out that I could actually watch K-drama on my phone for the first time ever I always just watch it on the tv um and I was like what kind of drama is like you know it's good for when you're away you're spending time with family like you're doing a lot during the day but you just maybe you know just something to sort of watch every now and then and sort of use to unwind and because obviously I love So Kung Joon I was like why don't I just give this show another go just another chance because I was kind of in the mood to follow him around K-drama land after watching him be so fucking fantastic in Watcher because he is fucking fantastic but anyway um so I tried this show again and the difference was that I was in the exact right mood and the circumstances were perfect for it I needed something slow I wanted something that you know this show is so warm it feels like even though it's all about trauma and hurt and pain it feels so positive and beautiful and it's all about it's all about choosing to live your best life anyway no matter all these things that happen and choosing to grasp love anyway if it comes your way you guys might be out of here but it is pouring outside um, which happens quite frequently whenever I'm about to record a podcast but oh well we'll just keep going Um, so hopefully it's not too distracting Um, so I was in the right mood and that's why I watched this and I have to say um, it, it has actually taken me quite a while to finish it. You know, it's only 16 episodes, this drama. Um, but I just, I've kind of watched it and I've, I've started heaps of other shows and finished them in the time that I've just been watching this one. And it's because I only wanted to kind of pick it up when I was in that mood to really slow down, like really, really just sink into it because I feel like it it is so slow sometimes with scenery shots or people walking or, you know, just little things, um, that, you know, if you're kind of in that I don't know, like your attention span's not very long and you end up picking up your phone and, you know, scrolling while you're watching it or something. And then I feel like you just can't enjoy the show like that. I feel like you just have to sink into it. Or anyway, that's my experience with it, I suppose. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about the casting for I'll Go To You When The Weather Is Nice uh, before moving on and talking about the setup. So, oh, and I should say that this this K-drama is based on a book. It's based on a novel um, uh, by (laughs) Ido. Yeah, there you go. That's the author's name. Um, So this one stars Park Min-young as kind of our main character, Mok Hae-won. Um, Park Min-young, of course, is from everything. Uh, Y Secretary Kim... Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. She's, you know, City Hunter. There's an old one for you. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, her private life, um, Queen for Seven Days, and a whole load of other stuff. Um, so she's fantastic. I've loved her since I feel like probably City Hunter might have been my first drama that I watched her in. Um, I just think she's lovely and beautiful, and she's very very warm and lovely in this particularly I think seeing her character's growth and change from a very frozen young woman who's very unhappy into someone who is just 
normal, I suppose, and able to engage with the world and with love. And it's very charming, I think, to watch that. Uh, so the male lead in this drama is played by the actor So Kang Doon from Are You Human 2, from Cheese in the Trap, where he plays the second male lead, from the very fantastic crime thriller called Watcher, which I'm obsessed with, um, and also some other crap that he's in. <laughs> oh, I love So Kang Doon, but I do not love all the things that he's in, unfortunately, which is very sad for me because I just want to watch his face on my screen. But there you go. Um, so there's some more it's quite a lot of like, I mean, this is a big cast, I think. There's quite a lot of different characters. And even though the focus is definitely on our leads and their romance and their, I guess, healing from their traumas jointly, which they both help each other to do. Um, there's a lot of other people in the show as well. Some important ones would probably be um, the main character, Hewon's aunt. Uh, her aunt is called Myungyo, uh, played by an actress called Moon Jong-hee. Um, I really, really liked her. I thought she was amazing. Um, there's also Unsob, who's so the main male lead. Um, he has a little sister in the show, played by an actress called Kim Hwan Yi, and she was just like a young, precocious high school student who was hilarious, and I really, really liked this character. She played a character called Hui. Um, and then probably the only other one, like there's so many, but the other one that I'll mention specifically is um, Ide Wook. So the actor Ide Wook um, was from Extraordinary You. So in this, he has a very slight kind of side role. I think this was his first drama after the very wonderful kind of um, teen romance drama Extraordinary You. Um, and since then, he's gone on to do that Dodo La La, Sol Sol La, whatever, and some other stuff as well. Um, I really like him. I think he's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing him and more stuff in the future. So that's kind of the casting, I think. So my last uh, sort of question before I move on is, should you watch I'll Go To You When The Weather Is Nice? I think from everything I've said, it's probably pretty obvious where I stand on that. And it's very interesting for me kind of coming back to it, you know, after a whole year after I initially tried to watch it. And I feel like that that sort of thing has been a real focus for me over the last year, that idea of giving things another go or a second chance and maybe listening to my mood when I'm selecting K-dramas a lot more than I think sometimes I do. Um, yeah, and I think that's been really, really beneficial and I feel like I have sort of tried things for the second time lately that have turned out to be really wonderful watches and things that I'm so glad to have seen. Um, so this is definitely one of those for me. So, um, and like I said, I think this is beautiful. It's really charming and beautiful. It's, you know, even though it's all about trauma and there is this huge mellow aspect, it's certainly, it's a positive drama. It's about life and living and trying your best to live these just small, simple lives but be happy. Like being happy is the point of everything in this show, which is charming and beautiful. I really, really loved it. It is slow. Like it definitely is a slow moving drama. Um, but I think that that's perfect. And I think that that suits it. But I think that it's good to be in the right mood to watch something that is slow and immersive and then just take your time with it and, you know, enjoy the beauty along the way. Um, and I was kind of talking about the, the general drama aesthetic and, you know, the landscape and not the beauty of the two leads, Park Min Young and So Kang Joon. Although, frankly, if we're honest, I'm sure they're a major draw for absolutely everybody because they are stunningly beautiful, both of them. Wow. 
very nice. All right, I guess I'll uh, stop <laughs> waffling <laughs> about uh, them and I'll move on. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about the story and the setup of I'll Go To You When The Weather Is Nice from 2020. So this K-drama, I'll go to you when the weather is nice, is I feel like at the start, it's kind of interesting, actually. I feel like in a lot of ways, the first sort of almost half of the drama feels like more squarely focused on Park Min-young's main character. Uh, this character's name is Mok Hae-won. And I feel like... I feel like in a lot of ways we kind of see these situations from her eyes and we delve into her backstory and then as she you know the romance begins to progress um, and I think she begins to change and become the kind of person who can I don't know open herself up to somebody else actually fall in love and begin to trust somebody else this is the point where I feel like in a lot of ways then the shift kind of happens and we begin to focus more on So Kang Joon's male lead character um, and he plays a character called Unsob and we then we delve into Unsob's whole backstory so this was very interesting to me because I think at the start of the show like when it first begins um, you know Hewon is the damaged one she's the one who has a lot of baggage a lot of trauma in her past a lot of unanswered questions around herself and her family that I think are really holding her back from trusting people or being happy and basically she is someone who has not received any love like her house is cold um Unsob, on the other hand seems you know this this lovely very handsome <laughs> um, young man who you know he just seems very satisfied with the small things in life he seems to have created you know the life that he wants to lead it might not be you know super big and flashy but he's happy he's got his beautiful warm family nearby who all love him and adore him and he seems very I don't know, self-contained and confident and happy about who he is. And then, of course, this all flips later. Um, so anyway, that's a kind of a weird overview of, I guess, maybe the progression of the romance a little bit and these like backstory traumas, which are such a big part of the show. But I don't feel like they ever feel like overwhelming when you're watching it because maybe the show is so slow and everything takes so long. It's such a slow burn that these things feel very slow and natural you know when they kind of come about so basically Mokhewan is from a little town um but I think she's she's gone and she's lived in Seoul I think it's Seoul maybe it's not Seoul actually anyway some big city in Korea obviously and she um has had this sort of trauma in her past, which we find out about later. But right now she is living in Seoul. Wow, what a completely ridiculous and convoluted way. I just tried to explain that. Let's start again. The drama opens with Mokhewon living in Seoul. She's an adult and she teaches the cello, but she's not having a great time. She is obviously extremely lonely. Um, she never smiles in any of these scenes. She just seems really disconnected from the world around her. So she's teaching at like, I think, um, you know, like one of those academies, after school academies, but the woman who runs it is not treating her very well. She's kind of like very downtrodden in front of like the student's parents. And then this awful thing happens where basically she's told to enroll in a rival academy and pretend to be a student um, in order to, you know, it's like, what's that corporate 
secret corporate spying except between teeny tiny academies i don't know but she goes and does it she's really unhappy about it doesn't want to do it of course gets found out humiliated in front of everybody and the teachers and then eventually like she ends up losing her job and she's just so low and i feel the loneliness and unhappiness of this woman like it's intense so she goes back to this little kind of um really rural ag- agricultural town um which is i thinking uh what is it gangwon province which is up north of south korea so very very cold it's like at the very beginning of winter we understand that she comes back there for a while every winter like to visit her aunt who still lives there her aunt runs a guest house called um hodu house i think it is and um but this time it's very run down and clearly she's shut it and she's not actually using it as a guest house anymore and this house was um Hewan's grandmother's house and i think for a time you know she lived there or at least visited there a lot back when things were nicer when she was younger um so Hewan sort of turns back up and it's Again, it's this slow burn. It's really beautiful. Like we basically get um, Hewon sort of, you know, getting off buses and just walking with this suitcase, just walking through this rural, freezing, very sparse kind of landscape. You know, there's um, mountains everywhere and all these like different fields and like these houses. And I love I don't know. It's really, really beautiful. I think the place that this drama is filmed and it has this very lived in feel like I don't know, things don't look really pristine and perfect. Like even like there's this beauty to everything, but they don't cover up. I don't know, like the crap everywhere in people's yards and like particularly in agricultural areas is like, you know, weird tarps and weird like just pieces of rubbish and crap everywhere from like, you know, leftover from farming machinery and all this kind of stuff. Um, Some of the houses are super run down, but there's I think the whole thing about this drama is like there's beauty in these things. And I really liked this kind of unfiltered look at some of these, you know, much more rural, isolated kind of Korean, um, you know, country areas. I thought that was really interesting. Like I've only been to Korea once myself, but um, I remember being on the bus and kind of going between, you know, cities and town centers and like getting on local buses and seeing a lot of places like this. And I really enjoyed this aspect of the drama. Um, So I think they really use the scenery in this just beautiful, really beautiful way, particularly this sparse winter, you know, nothing's green. Everything's just kind of gray and cold, but it's very beautiful. Um, so she kind of comes home and she walks into, you know, this guest house and her aunt, um, Myongyo, is there and she has like these mad big sunglasses on and she never smiles and she's not that excited to see Hewon and Hewon's not excited to see her and the coldness between these women is just extreme. Um, and of course, as we get to know Hewon more and more, you realize how adrift she is. You know, there are three women in her family, including herself. So her mother, who's just basically gone AWOL, who's never around, who never answers her calls, who never talks. And even if her mother sees her, like they meet for like one meal a year, they barely talk. And then her mother just walks off. There's no hugging. There's no love. There's no affection. There's no you know, true sort of, I don't want to say interest. Her mother loves her and is interested in her in, a, in her own way, but her mother is her own woman dealing with her own traumas and she's not able to give Hewon what she needs. 
And Hewan has been kind of brought up by her aunt, who again is cold and distant and just disconnected from everything. Like, I kind of loved all the, the way, I suppose, it's shown with Hewan's, you know, this, this guest house that she comes back and her, her aunt's like, you know, when are you going back to Seoul? And Hewan's like, oh, I think I'm going to stay here for all winter. And that's a long time. You, you know that that's not what she normally does when she comes home every year. Um, but the aunt just sort of doesn't say anything. But then that we've just got these two women who never barely speak to each other, just knocking around this big, empty, cold house. And it's always so dark and it just has this, oh, like the only way to describe it is just cold. Everything just feels so like cold. And I don't know, you... You feel so sorry for her, but you really don't understand, like, what is wrong with this scene? And and the thing that's interesting about it is Hewon has just grown up this way um, after this trauma has happened to her in the past. And she does not understand why, you know, her aunt and her mother treat her the way that they do. And because she can't ever really find out, she can't connect with them, she's just sort of become that way herself as well and I kind of feel like that's this self-preservation thing she doesn't really trust people and she kind of has no reason to because she hasn't been people haven't been open with her they just kind of cut her off or you know in the case of a friend from high school like full-on tell her secrets and betray her so you really I think understand very quickly why Hewan is the way that she is but what I think comes out later in the drama is that she is desperate for affection and as soon as it's kind of like there it doesn't actually take that long to thaw her into this very smiley lovely quite bubbly and playful person which is just so different from who she is at the beginning of this show. So just down the road from Hodu Guest House is um, this little bookstore. Um, and I'm like, this bookstore is in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's so hard to even make like for bookstores to make a living on like the main street of a main city. But uh, anyway, the guy who runs it is So Kang Jun's male lead character uh, called Unsob. So Unsob runs this little bookstore. Um, but he does say that he sells a lot of books online. So I guess that's how he does it. I'm not really sure how that works. It doesn't seem like a good business model to me, <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and he is just like, like if Hewan's whole thing is cold, uh, Unsob's whole thing is warmth like um everything in his like in his little bookstore is beautiful it's the like the warmest colors it's just drenched in like golden light um it's so nice there's books everywhere he's just constantly wearing like fuzzy sweaters and just looks you know super fresh and handsome in this lovely place and he's just making coffee all the time and then we as a viewer just like watch him you know, very slowly making his coffee and, you know, draining it and straining it and pouring it and sniffing it and drinking it. And that might sound boring, but it's not boring. It's so nice. It's just like the slowness of it and these, this kind of, I don't know, what is it like meditation in these slow, everyday, ordinary things. And it just gets under your skin and it works. Like it, you feel the warmth, like the whole aesthetic of this bookstore is this beautiful warmth and so um, I really really love at the start of the drama so Hewon comes in she's so cold she's just sort of walking around then like this weird rural like empty 
place, this isolated neighborhood by herself. And we see very quickly that Unsob, he do, he's not a talker. He doesn't do a lot of talking, but he notices like the second she comes home, he's just like clocks it straight away. And this is when we begin, you know, very slowly all the way through the drama, we get these flashbacks to high school to try and understand what the past is. And what we do find out is that Unsob has liked her a lot for a very, very, very long time. But he is someone that isn't able to, I guess, express himself at all. Um, he's not really a talker at all, but definitely like talking about, you know, his heart is not something he's going to do. And there's all these moments in their high school days where he could have gone up to her or could have said this or could have done that and he just he's always like a step too late like he's just always misses this moment because he is too afraid to act and I don't know I really loved it I feel like if anyone has had an unrequited crush on somebody else which I think you know I remember from when I was a lot younger this like you know, so overpowering, like overwhelming to feel that way about someone. And if, you know, there's just someone you barely know, like there's not a real hope of like, really, you don't feel like the reciprocation, is that the right word, is going to happen. And there's this weird thing of like, overanalyzing every moment, overanalyzing where they're going to be, like, can you bump into them? Like, and I feel like kind of seeing Unsob's memories of the past, you know, these tiny, tiny little inconsequential moments where he, for instance, you know, sees Hewan struggling with her bike chain or whatever, and, and he's watching and you, you know, he wants to go help, but he doesn't. And then later on, he sort of comes back rushing to help, but by then it's too late and someone else has swooped in. And like all these moments of just missing his chance, but these very small things. And that just felt I don't know. It felt like I could kind of get this sort of agonizing, unrequited love that he's experienced for so long. And I think that I kind of just loved all this stuff. I'm, it's a trope that I love, like a dude in unrequited love with some woman from since forever. Like, I love this. This works for me so much, but it's really, really beautiful. And I really, really love just seeing his reactions to having Hewon back, you know, and he kind of gets on his bicycle and, you know, she's walking in the middle of the night and he goes and finds her and they have this like really weird conversation. Like they, she knows who he is because he's the dude who runs the bookstore down the bottom of her driveway or whatever. She kind of vaguely knows that they went to school together. I don't know why she hasn't noticed him. He's insanely handsome, but whatever. We'll just pretend he's not. <laughs> um, and he, I just love these moments, like the tension, like particularly on his side, like, oh, it just, you can feel it, you know, like that overanalyzation of everything you say. So when he says to her, like, you know, how, how long are you going to stay in town this time? But it's, there's so much behind these very simple sort of very careful words. And I feel like so much of his interactions with Hewon for the whole start part of the drama are like that. There's, he's so careful. He's so quiet. And he's so kind of concentrating on, I suppose, not giving his heart away or being obvious in how he feels. And yet, it's all there sort of bubbling under the surface. Um, and then obviously, you know, Hewon stays in town longer and then she ends up working at the bookshop because she needs a job and, you know, she's in his face all the time. 
And of course, because he's just the warmest, nicest young man and he keeps like making her coffees every two minutes. And also she has the easiest job in the world. <laughs> um, you know, he just thaws her out and it's really beautiful to see. I really loved, like particularly like what I said before, Hamon is so cold at the start of the drama. She's so unloved. And then really through Unsob just being this beautiful, nice, kind of warm human being who is kind to her and thoughtful to her through all these small things, like not big romantic gestures, not anything big, just teeny tiny things like, I don't know, pushing the heater closer to her or giving her a scarf or walking her home while holding a torch to make sure that she can see, you know, where she's going to walk in the dark. Like all these teeny tiny little things that show caring and the change in her is just immense you know like I feel like Hewan when she sort of becomes who she's meant to be is this just such a playful you know like you know she giggles and plays jokes and is just very very sweet and is so at odds with what we kind of saw of her at the beginning of the drama in the opening when she's working in Seoul so one of the things that I think Unsob kind of does to which slowly begins to change Hewon is he brings her because she's working at the bookstore now. Like he has this book club. I loved this. I'm, I'm in a, I'm a book person. I love books. So I love this whole book aesthetic kind of shit. It totally works on me, but it is so charming. And so he has this, this lovely book club and I don't know, they meet once a week, whatever it is, who knows, um, once a month, I don't know. Uh, and they're all people from obviously, you know, the surrounding neighborhoods in this like very nearby city a small city and they're all different ages. So like there's, um, a, you know, an old grandpa and his little teeny tiny grandson and the grandpa always brings some weird like food and he always just sort of, I don't know, grills it up, fries it up in the background and feeds everyone. So he doesn't take part, but his little teeny tiny grandson does. Um, Unsob's youngest sister and her friend from school are there. And then, you know, um, an older housewife woman and then an older dude who like has a light shop or whatever. And they're all just different ages and different people. Oh, and of course, um, Unsub's friend from school, uh, played by the actor Ijeok. And Ijeok is of course the Yuan from Dodo Sol Sol Lala. Um, he's so different in this to how I feel like I normally see him, but, um, he's very sweet in this. He's very like, it talks a lot. He babbles. It's very cute, actually. <laughs> so I loved this. I love their whole group and I loved the discussion. So they have like a topic that they'll talk about and everyone will sort of bring something that they feel kind of embodies that topic to them. And they'll tell each other, say, read a piece of um, poetry or tell each other a story or just kind of talk about the plot of a book that they feel fits in with whatever the theme or topic is. And there's a lot of beautiful poetry in this drama a lot of these kind of stories within stories that the characters tell that you know you know represents either themes of the drama or the themes you know related to each of the characters or like literally is a analogy for the traumas they've gone through in their backstories that kind of stuff um, so I really loved that aspect, like all well, just this focus on literature and, and poetry particularly. It was just really, really beautiful. Um, and of course, Unsob has like this little kind of, I want to call it a secret diary, but it's like, you know, a, a kind of an internet 
kind of thing? Is it like a chat room? Is it like, I don't know. Anyway, he writes down um, these kind of secret diary entries that are usually about Hewan because he's been in love with her for so long. And they're really lovely. It's all, I think he has insomnia and he's always writing these things in the middle of the night and sort of expressing himself, I suppose, in this way that he kind of can't in, in his day to day. You know, he's this very quiet young man. So anyway, these two, you know, Hewan begins to open up. She fully opens up. It takes a long time in the drama to kind of get to the point where she understands how she feels, that she understands that, you know, it's not just kindness or warmth or friendship, like it's love, like it really is. And she kind of goes and tells him and he just, <laughs> it was so unexpected to me. And so just like, it's like he clicks it off. Like up until this point, you're just like, you know, he's in love with her. It's in everything he does. It's in all the flashbacks that we see of their past together. Like you just know it. And that the second that it could become real, that she's saying she feels the same way, he just, it's like it just switches off and suddenly he can't even talk to her and he's just going off walking in the mountains all the time. And this is the whole, like the flip side, I think, for a while of the drama before at the end we get back into, you know, Hewan's whole past and trauma and find out the truth of what really happened um, in her past. But Unsob's whole thing is like, I didn't know, I didn't know there was anything going on with him at all. And there's this huge backstory with him. Um, you know, basically he, he grew up in the mountains with his single dad and then his dad just sort of left him there and he was sort of scrounging around by himself and then got adopted by a family down in the valley and who love him and he is their son now but you know he's torn he's torn between his parents who have gone and I think his dad's died actually um but his mom he had to go you know take care of her and it's just sad it was really sad actually and I think particularly sad maybe with Unsob because he is not an expressive person and I don't know he, he deals with everything so differently I think to Hermon because he is surrounded by love and he's still able to live this good life but you don't realize because he's so kind and he's so warm you don't realize how much of himself that he holds back and keeps apart from other people um, so the drama really, you know, kind of overview, I guess it progresses eventually, you know, the, the romance obviously progresses and then we kind of delve into what's going on with Hewan's aunt, um, because Hewan, we, we do find out pretty quickly in the, in the drama, you know, she came and lived in this little town when she was a teenager. Before that, she lived with her parents in a different city. But she came home one day after school and there was blood everywhere and her mother was getting arrested for the murder of her father. And it turned, you know, her mother's face is completely bashed up and bruised and, you know, it's pretty obvious that he was abusing her and she has, you know, kind of hit back and kind of, squished him a little bit with a car and he died I shouldn't laugh that it's it's truly awful like it's really very sad in the drama it's not funny at all um so yeah it's super super sad stuff and you know she moves out to this this place um where the where the main drama is set to live with her aunt who's so cold and shut off and there's no affection or emotion and then Hewan makes friends with this girl at school called Boyong and 
it's lovely, you know, the friendship that these two have is lovely, until Hewon finally tells this secret. Her mother's in jail for the murder of her father, and immediately this secret goes crazy around the school, and Hewon will never, ever, ever forgive Boyong for, you know, letting this slip. Um, so I actually really liked this storyline. I feel like I thought it was going to be a bigger thing. I think this kind of tearing apart of this friendship, because Boyong, you know, she lives in the city and she's really trying hard to get back into Hewon's good books. And I thought the whole progression of that was really interesting because Hewon is so adamant, you know, that Boyong was wrong and this injustice has been done to her and why would she ever forgive this other girl for what she did? And it is very, very interesting peeling back the layers. I feel like it kind of it happens with a big bang at the start and then Boyong just sort of disappears for a lot of the drama, I think, as, you know, the romance really takes the front seat. But once our characters start, you know, our two main leads start getting their shit together and, you know, sorting out their romance issues, then I think that's when the focus goes back onto Boyong. And then I think Boyong does some crazy stuff at the end and gets a bit nuts. But I kind of really enjoyed it all. I don't know. I thought it was really good. All right. That was probably heaps of setup. I'm probably just going to jump into some stuff that I loved about I'll Go To You When The Weather Is Nice. All right. So stuff that I loved uh, about I'll Go To You When The Weather Is Nice. Um, definitely the general aesthetic. Like this show is so warm. It just feels like a big giant hug from someone with a big fuzzy fuzzy sweater on <laughs> it's really nice um I liked the music it has this very kind of I don't even know calming and kind of just really lovely music that yeah very calming I suppose just really adds to this kind of slice of life feel um I really enjoyed the slowness of the show um and definitely the beauty of the landscape the snow the town the mountain they go up into the mountain all the time like I just I love the beauty in it. I think it's really, really nice. And of course, I loved the romance. I thought the romance was wonderful. And I think I just like the whole dynamic, I suppose, of this sort of small town vibes with the neighborhood, with the book club, particularly all these lovely characters, like when you see them all at the book club and hanging out and like putting on like a little, I don't know, what was it like a book fate or fair or something. And these just these little sort of neighborhood events and all these entangled lives, all these people going about their business, but all these intersections, I suppose, between them. And there's just something very charming and lovely uh, about the whole thing. I really, really liked it. Um, so I really loved Hewon and Unsob. I loved their romance. Like I said, the tension of that, like his sort of one-sided thing and just that feeling of the pain of missed opportunities and that, you know, that feeling of thinking about someone and, and just not being able to let go for years and years. And then they're there, they're on your doorstep. They're like for a while living in his house. Like she's just in his face and seeing him trying to figure out how to deal with that. And then of course, you know, dealing with it, with Unsob's you know, kindness and warmth and just this very quiet thoughtfulness that he has. It's just so nice. I really enjoyed their romance. And then, you know, kind of when Hewan finally opens up and confesses and there's this whole thing with Unsob sort of pushing her away and I love that she kind of 
she just keeps she keeps sort of trying and keeps sort of hoping and I kind of like this too because you know she was so sure that he liked her because of the way he treated her um and I like that she she still kind of thinks that even though he says he doesn't and she's so hurt she's so upset that maybe he doesn't but at the same time I feel like there's a part of her that's still you know holding out hope um and eventually you know she kind of cracks through this kind of hard exterior which you just don't know that this man has because he's so kind and thoughtful and warm so I think I enjoyed all that stuff just because it was a little bit unexpected you know I thought the whole show was going to be about Hewon getting over her trauma and her childhood and all this awful shit in her family this weird coldness between these women and it would be about her learning to open up and love and feel but I feel like the second she meets him you know, she begins to thaw and she thaws to a point where she just becomes a different person, like completely, like she's learning how to be happy. And the way that she acts around people is so different. Like it's so light and, you know, giggly and fun and playful. And I, I really, really loved seeing that. Um, but I, I, I guess that was unexpected too. And I really liked that faster progression of her to a happy place than I would have expected. I think, I think I thought that was going to be the only, or at least the main arc in the story. And, um, Unsub's kind of thing was a surprise to me, but very interesting. And I really like delving into his backstory as well. Um, so I've written here that I, you know, I just loved the book club, the poetry, the stories, that whole taking pleasure in the small things, like seeing, you know, the old grandpa kind of like, I don't know, making them all food and them all just sitting around and laughing or it's just nice. And also that like across the generations thing about the book club, like I loved seeing them all talking and relating and taking each other seriously. And, you know, when the littlest boy, the little tiny kid, says something about the story he liked, you know, everyone listens very seriously. They all treat each other with so much respect, no matter if they're young or if they're old. And oh, that was really lovely. I don't know. I really liked it. It had that, it had that whole found family vibe to it. You know, this warmth around all of them and the way they treat each other. And obviously for all of them, you feel like this kind of meeting, this book club meeting is like, you know, like a battery charging them up and then they can go back to their ordinary lives and not, not in a bad way, ordinary lives, like, but, you know, just go back out and do their thing. And then it was really nice. I really liked it. Um, so I really loved Unsub's younger sister, Hui. Um, she was played by an actress that I don't think I'd seen before called Kim Hwani. Or maybe I have actually. Um, she was great. So she's a teenager. Um, I think she's in her maybe her second last year of school or something like that, or maybe. And she's just constantly, we see her, like she's just out there. Like she's dialed up to 10 with everything she does. She's so loud, but she's also unashamed, like unashamedly so about everything about her. She's not going to change no matter what. But I found her very interesting. She's just constantly riding her bike around and she's screaming at the top of her lungs when she arrives at school. And she's like, get out of my way, out of my way. And of course, you know, she she's, I feel like she has some issues with some social stuff. So like people don't really like her at school. She doesn't really understand why, but she's also just exceedingly herself all the time. Like you don't see her wondering what, what's going wrong. Why does she rub people up the wrong way and then trying to change? She just does what she does. And she gets 
she has this mad like kind of one-sided adoration for this boy at school who has really top marks um and this guy's name is Yongsu um and he I don't know where he is like oh so he's played by an actor called Kim Dae-gun uh, who I reckon I've seen before in something, who knows what, some side role. Uh, and his character's name is Yong Soo. And she's just like, she's obsessed with this dude. He's a little bit older than her at school. And she's following him around. She's just hitting on him. She's telling him that she likes him. And he's just like exasperated by his, the whole thing. He's just completely uninterested. But also, I kind of loved where this storyline went. Like, I really loved all the kind of interactions and I never kind of knew what was going to happen. But basically, she's just very loud. She's in his face, she's following him around. And he's just like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, like, I'm so tired, <laughs> basically, is his whole vibe. And then she kind of finds out that he likes books. And he kind of hears that she's part of this book club and he really wants to be part of it. So she ends up bringing him along. And at this point, she's like, I don't like you at all. Um, but I think that they just have this odd kind of friendship that she's just so in his face and, you know, loud all the time. And he's always sighing at everything she does, but also like secretly, I think he finds her quite amusing. So there's a lot of like quiet giggles behind his hand and stuff. And yet, so I really, I was like, is this a romance thing? But it never was, you know, like school finishes and he heads off and goes to college and then never see each other again. And she's like the next second, she just basically imprints on this other new boy at school in the last episode, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so I don't know. I really liked her and I liked her whole storyline um, and character. I just thought she was really good. I really just very likable, but also very interesting. So that was really fun. Um, I also liked Lee Jae-wook's character Jung-woo. And Jung-woo's, you know, um, just one of the main male lead's friends. He went to high school with the whole main crowd. And he's like a, I think he's like a civil servant or whatever works uh, for the local government. And he's been in love with some girls since high school. And it's like a very slight sort of side story that, you know, he's in love with one of Hewan's really close friends. Um, and I really liked him. He, I just felt like... EJ Walker, I haven't really seen him like this. Like he's just so like eyelash fluttery and stuttery and very kind of just word drivel all the time. He just talks and talks and talks, but like <laughs> in a very kind of cute, silly way all the time. But he's very, very likable. There was this one whole thing, like the, I guess the culmination of his whole kind of crush, I suppose, that he's had since forever on this character. I think her name's Unshiel, um, that he's liked since forever. And she sort of asks him at the end, like you can tell at this point, she started finally liking him back. And she kind of says, because he, he did confess to her at high school, he, he was, you know, gave her this enormous bouquet of flowers with a card. And the card apparently said something about, you know, like I'm, my grades are so good and I'm going to, I got into like Seoul University or something, you know, like talking himself up, I suppose. Um, and she just outright rejects him and, you know, that's it basically. But it's their hometown, so they still see each other around all the time at the reunions and all this kind of stuff and he's still totally holding a torch for her all these years later so he you know she kind of asks him at this point where you know her feelings are starting to to turn towards him towards jung and she says you know like you did so well at school you got out of this town in this little weird town and you went to seoul and you went to the top university 
you could have upon graduating, you know, isn't it normal that you try and get a job at a big, you know, big company in Seoul and kind of work up? Like, why did you come back to this town? Like, she doesn't understand. And his whole answer is just like, I loved it. He's kind of says, I don't know, he just says that he knows what makes him happy. He knows that living here in this little town and working for the local government to make the town better to make the people's lives better and then at the end of the day going home to his house like and eating good food and seeing people that he loves like he knows what makes him happy he doesn't need more than that like he's not ambitious for anything other than his happiness and I was just like wow that's so cool and then she's just like silent and then she says he should have written that in the card that he used to confess to her all those years years ago and maybe the result would have been different I loved it I was like yeah that is like and he's really shocked you know he's like is this what women like and she's kind of like yeah like a man that knows that about himself like wow that is truly impressive and I was like yes she's right that is impressive (laughs) I loved it. I thought it was just really kind of lovely and sweet. Uh, So next, I really liked all the delving into the wounds of the past and this slow healing, like particularly the slow healing with our main two characters, Hewon and Unsob. Um, But also, you know, we do a lot of delving into Hewon's art and there's a whole thing going on with her that I didn't kind of expect and know. And I really liked this character. But you kind of realize that she so shut herself off from emotions and feeling and any sort of connection because she is riddled with guilt and she hates herself. And she, I think that she sort of is wanting to suffer, really. So we find out that, you know, things used to be different. Uh, the whole family was really happy and she was, she's always been very close to her young, uh, her older sister, sorry, which is Hewon's mum uh, back in the day. Um, and But Hewon's mum was obviously getting physically abused by her husband and, you know, Myung, Myungyo, which is the younger aunt, kind of figured that out back then and then eventually went over to the house and literally saw it happen. She saw her older sister getting beaten up. She tries to intervene. The guy's really violent and he almost attacks her. And then, you know, Hewon's mom sort of gets involved and I think pushes him or something. And then they run to get in the car. And it's actually Myungyo, you know, Hewon's aunt, who ends up killing her father. And the older sister feels so guilty that the younger sister had to do this, that she was there, that she was in this situation, that this is what's happened, that she takes the fall for it and she goes to jail. And the older sister, Hewan's mom, just believes that they're better without her, which is wrong. It completely destroys them because she never writes back to Hewan. She never explains anything. She never talks to her. Um, um, but unfortunately, you know, the younger sister, um, Hewan's aunt, Myongyo, she... She can't give any love to Hewon. She can't do anything because as far as she's concerned, the older sister's gone to jail for her, but she should have gone herself. So she feels like she's ruined everything. So there's just so much pain there. Um, And we also find out, you know, she was in love with someone and he was in love with her and they sort of reconnect during the drama. But um, she just, she's so damaged and it was... I didn't guess, you know, I really didn't guess the outcome 
of that whole trauma backstory and I I did really like the way it unfolded. I think the drama did a really good job of like mixing in the current storylines with all these layers of flashbacks constantly that add extra texture to the story and, and give us kind of different viewpoints to understand these characters. So I really liked that. Um, what else have I written? Uh, oh, so I really like this scene. This is just probably a random one, but I really like this scene when Unsob is kind of talking to Hewan about Hewan's mother and Unsob is sort of empathizing with Hewan's mother who Hewan cannot understand. She doesn't understand why her mother won't talk to her, why her mother doesn't love her, why her mother doesn't like her, why she doesn't live in a house with her. Like she just doesn't know why her mother is so cold. And Unsob is just like, he says that he thinks sometimes people are just like that and that they cannot express what's in their heart. Like they just cannot express it, even if they want to. And there's nothing that can be done about it. And I remember at this point in the drama, it's before we have even the slightest inkling that he might have some sort of strange or sad backstory. And I remember being like, it's so interesting that this, you know, warm, charming, lovely young man is able to, I mean, he's acting like he understands where Hewan's mother is coming from. And of course, later on, we realize he does because he feels like he's completely locked up inside and that he could never, ever express himself fully or say the things that are in his heart. And I thought that was, I don't know, I really liked the scene and it really just kind of like stuck with me and then made sense later, I think, when we understand more about his whole character. Um, so I also really liked the cameo by the actor Kim Yong-dae. Uh, so Kim Yong-dae is also from Extraordinary You. He's also in Penthouse. Um, and he's kind of got this weird kind of cameo in this where, I don't know, he, I almost felt like he was, he seemed like, <laughs> he seemed like, how do I say this? Like too dashing for this role. Like it almost felt weird. Like he just swans in and I felt like he should be in like the, the most intense, like basically he should be in something like penthouse, I suppose. Like he just swaggered in and was like a romantic hero lead, but also it's in this tiny little rundown town. And I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how to put words to what I'm trying to say, except that I really liked it. I really, really liked this cameo, but I also felt maybe it's just because there's too many like handsome young men who are in love with Hewan from her school. Maybe that's what it is. Don't know. Maybe that is what it is, but also I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it at all. I really enjoyed the cameo. It was really interesting. And of course him coming and hitting on Hewan hardcore and kind of dredging up their past where he sort of hit on her as teens um, and helped her with a lot of things, as it turns out, from behind the scenes, kind of shows her who she really loves. So it's a very important sort of reveal, I suppose, in the whole drama. And I did really like it. And he's quite great. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough waffle from me. I'm going to talk a little bit about stuff I didn't love and then we'll, you know, we'll stop doing this. All 
right, so stuff that I didn't love quite so much, but I'll go to you when the weather is nice. The really, like, if I'm realistic, I just enjoyed this drama. I enjoyed it so much. There wasn't really anything that I, like, really stuck out to me. There was a couple of, like, teeny tiny little, huh, that's weird kind of moments. So I'm just going to go through those. Um, so one of them was, it kind of annoyed me that Hewan was this, like, incredible celloist. And yet she never plays the cello at any point like she doesn't even have one with her when she comes back to this little town she never practices and then at one point they ask her to put on a show and she does and she's extraordinary and perfect and I just want to say musical instruments don't work that way like you got to practice like to be an amazing say classical musician or any kind of musician you just like you're expected to do like hours per day to like keep up to that level but anyway it's a drama it doesn't really matter but I also felt like if she's that good at music and cello, I kind of felt like she must love it, right? She must get something from music. It must mean something to her. And I just thought it was kind of strange to have her be a celloist, but kind of not have music mean anything to her. Like she, she doesn't care that she's not playing. She doesn't care if she's playing. Does she care about music? I just feel like it would have made so much sense if it had been like a solace to her um, after all these traumas in her backstory and, and you know, like she's finding hope and solace in practicing her craft. I don't know. Anyway, it really, really didn't actually matter, but it just kind of occurred to me and I was like, that's kind of dumb, but also I didn't care. <laughs> um, I did not love, like probably didn't love at the end when – you know, Hewan's aunt finally confesses. She tells Hewan the truth that it was actually her that killed the father. And she's like, she wants to go to jail. And, you know, Hewan is so angry because she's been lied to. Um, so I loved all this stuff. I thought it was a really good ending to this whole storyline. Really interesting. I did not love that she finally kind of tells the truth, Hewan's aunt does, to, you know, this publisher dude who's been in love with her since forever, clearly can't let her go, has completely sabotaged his current relationship because she's come back into his life. Like, he cannot let this go. And she sort of starts seeing him, but like, you know, in this way where she's always telling him to go away all the time. She's very mean because <laughs> um, she's sad. That's why she's mean. And, you know, they sort of like, they're sort of you feel like they're getting to understand each other again. And he's finally realizing maybe the truth behind why she cut him off all those years ago. And it was because it was that day. It was that day where she killed somebody and she still dreams about this man who died. And like, yes, this guy was hurting her sister, bashing her sister up. But also at other times he was incredibly kind and nice. And he was this loving father of this girl. And that doesn't, Gosh, that doesn't excuse anything he's done, but it just means that it's complicated for her and she sees him in her dream. So she's racked with guilt. So she starts getting over this. She starts reconnecting with this publisher guy who's completely still in love with her. And I think, I mean, I don't know if she's still in love with him. I kind of feel like she was. And then at the end of the drama, the part that I didn't like is that the aunt's just sort of like, oh, so I'm going to leave. And then she just sort of leaves. And I'm like, where the fuck did she go? And she, why didn't she go with the publisher? Like the publisher's just, he's going to drive her to the airport and see her off and he's all happy. And I'm like, why are you happy, mate? She's totally ruined your life. 
So anyway, it didn't really matter. It was good in some ways because you felt like, you know, this aunt had gotten over a hurdle and something was happening. But I really didn't, I don't know, I think she could have just gone back and hung out with the publisher. It just felt like that would be would have been really a natural place for that storyline to go. But anyway, again, it didn't really matter that much because it was such a like a little little blip at the end. So I also didn't love, um, what have I written here? Oh, <laughs> this one's so dumb. So at one point towards maybe three quarters of the drama, um, the old grandpa who likes to fry shit up in Unsop's bookstore while his little grandson takes part in the book club, he collapses and he goes to hospital and Unsop like rushes to the hospital to keep, you know, this little poor tiny child who's very, very cute, by the way, to keep this little tiny child company. And the little tiny child's like, sob, sob, Unsop, do you think, like, is my grandpa going to be okay? And Unsob's like, yes, your really, really old 90-year-old grandpa is definitely going to be okay. He is 100% not going to die ever. And I was like, dude, you can't promise that. <laughs> you, know, you can't break a promise to a teeny tiny child like that. You'll scar this tiny child for life. And so it's all good. Somehow, magically, Unsob is totally right. And this really old grandpa is miraculously totally fine. But he's super old. And, you know, this kid is super little. And I felt like I felt like that whole problem was not really resolved. And I feel like within a few months, that old grandpa could potentially be back in the hospital. But I guess Unsob will just adopt this very cute little boy and everyone will be fine. Let's just go with that. <laughs> Again, totally not a problem in the grand scheme of the whole, I tried to say shop, but I meant show. Wow, I'm getting confused. Um, so the next one on my list, this one's weird, right? I felt like it felt strange in the story, but I also kind of loved it and it worked for me. So Bo Yong, who is Hewon's best friend from high school, who betrays Hewon, ends up you know, slipping on this rumor and the rumor gets out and everyone in school knows that Hewan's mother's in prison and killed her father and everyone makes Hewan's life living hell for quite a long time. Um, and so Boyong kind of never fully apologizes. She always, you know, says it's a misunderstanding, you know, it's, it's a misunderstanding. It wasn't really her fault. And then later on, we realize that she has had a massive crush on Unsob since forever, that she might have noticed that Unsob really liked Hewon, that she noticed that, you know, Hewon's extremely beautiful, mysterious, that maybe a lot of people at school liked Hewon, that she was always turning boys down. And she obviously, you know, Boyong was obviously jealous. But now that she's an adult, she kind of goes completely bonkers. And then she's like trying to tell Unsob that she really loves him. And he's like, well, you know, actually, I'm, I'm with Hewon now. Like, <laughs> this is really inappropriate. And then she's like, crawls halfway up a mountain because Unsob's like this amazing mountain man that he can just climb any mountain and save people, apparently. I quite liked all that storyline. But anyway, and Boyong like climbs up this mountain and then she's like, kind of swaying on the edge of this weird cliff and then she calls Unsob and she's like hey Unsob do you want to um, come save me from this mountain and Unsob's like like I guess so and Hewon's like fuck no you can't go up that mountain and save her I'm going to go up the mountain and save her which I was like yeah that's exactly right Hewon so Hewon goes up and kind of just you know tells Boyong how it is, which is basically like, you're a grown woman. What the fuck are you doing? And I really enjoyed all of this. Um, 
So I'm kind of in two minds. I don't really know why this is on my stuff that I didn't love because I actually really super enjoyed it. I just also felt that Boyong went, like she went full melodrama, right? She went full mukjang and I was like, this is crazy. But also I'm enjoying watching it. So again, I really don't mind. And I really enjoyed this whole storyline. And then I like that you get the hint that they might be able to mend the problems between them because Boyong finally kind of fronts up to the fact that, yes, she was jealous. Yes, she did it on purpose. Yes, she was spiteful. And yes, she wanted Unsob and didn't, you know, she did try to make Hewon look bad on a number of occasions, you know. Um, so I liked that. I liked that whole thing. So it's clearly in the wrong section, but whatever. Um, so the other thing that I didn't love was, so Hewon finds out that her aunt was actually the one who killed her father and has lied to her her entire life and that her mother's also lied to her and that she doesn't really, I feel like she doesn't really know who she is. Like it really, it really destroys her hearing all this stuff because she has trust issues already. Um, and so Hewon's like, I can't look at you aunt anymore. So what I'm going to do is leave town and never see my beautiful boyfriend ever again, even though he, you know, Unsub's clearly in love with her and has turned her life around and they could just get married and be happy forever. But unfortunately, Unsub's little house is just down the end of the driveway and she doesn't want to see her aunt ever again. So, and I was like, this seems incorrect to me. <laughs> And also a really stupid decision. So that lasts for about, I don't know how long it's meant to be. I guess it's supposed to be a few months. It felt like a week, maybe less. And Hewan goes back to Seoul. But she does discover by going back to Seoul that she actually likes teaching, which she thought she didn't. And of course, that means that when she decides to move back to this little town, she actually has, you know, a job now. And so she can teach music to all the local kids, which, you know, that was a pretty good idea. Um, so yeah, I just... I just thought it was, I, I know this is just what happens in dramas, right? Like they have to part and then they get back together. And it's really lovely when they get back together. But I was like, Unsob didn't do anything wrong. And then I felt really sorry for him because he was just like, he was so sad. <laughs> it was awful. I felt so sad for him. But it was fine. She came back. It's all good. And I really liked the ending. It just felt, again, very slice of life. You just feel like things are going to continue, but you feel like Unsub and Hewon have found happiness in each other. And that was lovely. So that's it. That's it from me. I've said a lot. I said it all. Is there even anything more to say? I don't think so. <laughs> so I'm going to stop talking now and uh, leave your ears in peace. Um, so that's all I've got to say on the 2020 romance mellow k-drama um i'll go to you when the weather is nice thank you for listening brings me to the very end of this week's episode thank you so much for listening as always I really really appreciate um everybody listening to this show uh, it's still pretty amazing so thank you um and of course an enormous enormous thank you and shout out to all those very lovely people who have decided to support my show on patreon you guys are amazing and I really really appreciate it and I also also love the chats and particularly the drama recommendations oh my gosh <laughs> So thank you all very much. Um, all right, that's it from me. I'm going to head off. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you'll tune in again next week for some more K-Drama Chats.
Bye.